Good morning. Good morning. Man, um, I'm so excited to be here with you guys this morning and so excited to, to just kind of dig into what God's going to say um, in this word this morning. I'll be honest, um, this set of messages, this message has been on my heart for a couple weeks now, and uh, it's just not been the time. It's been like, hey, here's another thing, preach that. Here's another thing, preach that. And, and today, I guess, is the day... Um, I will say this, last night was maybe one of the biggest struggles setting through um, just what God was going to do and, and deciphering that and figuring all that out. Um, uh, very rarely go into the moment there and, and just kind of fight with God through it and what are we going to talk about tomorrow? What do you want to talk about tomorrow? What do you want to say tomorrow? And all I know is last night um, I just prayed and prayed and prayed and prayed and prayed and finally he was like, okay, here's the one. Um, and, uh, man, I hope that means something uh, amazing for us this morning. But we're going to start a new series this morning called Home. And uh, it's a series about heaven, uh, so that's awesome. I thought so. Uh, yeah, good, good. I'll train you guys eventually. We should get one of those little signs up here. It's like applause, shout, um, like they do at game shows. It'd be fun. Um, just need some cues, just need some cues, but... I'm so excited about um, this word this morning. I'm so excited about talking about this. I got a text a couple weeks ago from a, from a guy, and he was asking me questions about heaven. And uh, as I was going through and talking to him about these things, um, I thought, man, we never talk about this, right? Like We never talk about heaven anymore. I grew up in church. I think I've probably been in church more than I've not been in church just in my life, and um been in all kinds of different churches, but I think for the early part of my life, maybe the first 11 years, 12 years, something like that, I went to the same church, and it seems like every Sunday uh, we would talk about heaven somehow. I don't know what verse they would read, but we'd always get there, right? It'd be like, Jesus wept, and you'd take us through that, and then it'd be heaven at the end. You'd be like, I don't know how we got there, but here we are. Or we'd sing some songs about heaven. You guys know all 432 of them. Um, there's a lot of them about heaven, um, and we don't really do that anymore, and I see that maybe then that was too much, right? There are other things to talk about. Heaven's great, and I'm glad we're going there. But if we don't know how we're getting there, we're probably not going to see it anyway. So there's something else right there to talk about, right? There's another deal, and he's actually the bigger deal. And, but I think maybe we've overcompensated. And what I see now is that not only do we never talk about it, but we're not really that excited about it, are we? We think like today is the best day or tomorrow is the best day and, and we're living in those moments. And I just want you to know the Bible's very clear about a couple things and one of those things is that this is not our home. Amen? Like it's nice here sometimes, right? The weather's good if you don't live in East Tennessee. Um, and, and we get like some, some good stuff happens in this season, but the Bible really equates this as kind of like a camping trip. I hate camping. <laughs> and he equates heaven as our home. That's the place we're going. That's where we're going to be. And I feel like we've flipped that somehow. And we think that maybe this is home and that's the vacation or whatever. And that's just not the truth this morning. So for the next few weeks, we're going to talk about heaven. Um, we're going to talk about uh, a couple things about it. One, what it is, uh, how you get there. I will say that it's a real place, so if you're kind of on the fence about that, and Jesus said, I go and prepare a place for you, and he talks about heaven like a real place, so it is. Um, and, and for those of us who know him, we're going there. 
For those of us who don't, um, we're not reality this morning because hell is a real place just like heaven is. Um, for the next few weeks, we're going to talk about that home, that heaven, and, and hopefully we'll just see God do something in that. And this morning, we're going to start in 2 Corinthians 5. And before we do that, I just want to pray because I think you probably think I'm going somewhere and that's not actually where I'm going this morning. And I want to be fixed on what God is going to say this morning. So let's just pray and maybe you can pray for me. God, this morning, just focus me on what you're going to say. God, this morning, that even now, that you just calm us into the moment where we can hear from you. God, that there'd be like a, a holy thing that happens in this place in the next few moments, because in reality, the thing the devil wants us to miss the most is you and beside that it's that there is hope beyond this place and there is somewhere else and there's something bigger to live for and God this morning I pray that you'll just get us to that moment God I know that in reality it'd be a miracle if every person was changed in this moment but God I pray for a few I got a few of us would get this and it would change everything God, shift something in us. We need you. It's in your name, Jesus, we pray. Amen. Um, like I said, this morning we're going to be in 2 Corinthians 5, and, and I think the reason that I struggled so much with this last night is there's something bigger here. Um, see, what you think, um, probably, because what you've heard is that this morning we're going to talk about streets of gold and pearly gates and all that's nice, but all that is missing completely um, the idea and the potential of, of what God is doing in, in these moments. And, and I just want to say, um, as, we, as we lean into this, whatever you know, whatever you've heard, let's surrender that to the Word of God this morning. Um, and, and let's just listen to what he would say. Um, this letter, 2 Corinthians, is a letter that Paul wrote to the church at Corinth. And uh, um, it's the second one. That's why there's a two in front of it. Uh, <laughs> this letter was written to a group of people like us, a group of people who would profess, I know Jesus, I've been saved, uh, whatever church word you want to put on it. And it deals with a lot of different things. But in chapter 5 specifically, he's kind of ending this thought from 4 and, and leaning us or leading us towards heaven. And in verse 16 in chapter 4, I'm going to give us some context here. He says, even though our outer person is being destroyed, our inner person is being renewed day by day. He's saying this to, to this church who probably is dealing with persecution, even if you could make an argument they weren't dealing with persecution, which I don't think you could. Um, what you could argue and what you know is that they were dealing with things that that every one of us and every one of them, for whatever reason, right, is headed towards death. That's a 100% certainty today on the planet, by the way. If your name is not Jesus, you will leave this place, and it won't be through any other vessel than death or the resurrection, right, when he comes back and gets everybody. Death is a certainty, it's a 100% certainty, and all of us will meet that. And he, he's talking to these people in that moment, and he says, here's the truth, though, guys. Even though this outer person, this body, this vessel, this container, this, this vehicle is being destroyed, truth. 
our inner person, that spiritual man, that man that God breathed in us at the moment of our salvation, that person is being renewed day by day. Amen. The spiritual man in us is being renewed, made new, having new life. Breathed in it every day is what he's saying. He's looking at these people and he's saying, I get it. I get it. You're under persecution or you're sick or you're about to die or you're older or whatever you're dealing with today. I get their stuff and I get that this body is headed towards the ground. I get that and that's not pleasant and there's heartache and there's hurt and there's all kinds of struggle in relationship to that. But here's the hope this morning. Even though this outer vessel is being destroyed, that new man, the inner man, the man God breathed in you, that man is being renewed or strengthened or made alive every single day. And we see this, this, this difference. See, in reality, what you see here, it, it is decaying today. I'm 30 years into that process. Amen. I used to be a little bitty thing. I don't remember that. And didn't have hair. I still don't have much, but I didn't have hair. And, and now I'm bigger than that. And that's the process, right? And if I stay around another 30 years, I won't look like this anymore. And I won't be another 30 years after that probably. But if I was here that long, I wouldn't look the same because this body is in the process of being destroyed, no matter how that happens. Whatever, you can, you can live a pleasant, long life, and at the end, at 752 years old, go to sleep and die one day, but we're going to leave this place, right? This vessel is being destroyed. It doesn't matter how it's happening, but the truth of it is, for those of us that know Jesus, there's an inner man a spiritual man, a man that you can't see, and he's being strengthened every day. Well, the body is going towards the ground, but the spirit is going towards Jesus. And it says in 17, for our momentary light affliction is producing for us an, an absolutely incomparable eternal weight of glory. He's saying, but here's the truth, guys. This body may be dying, but what's coming is absolutely incomparable to what you're going through today. I don't know what that is, but I don't see a qualifier, do you? He's saying, worst case scenario, I don't know what you're going through today. There's a church full of people and everybody's going through different things. Same thing as when he's writing this letter. Some of it was persecution, some of it was sickness, some of it's death, some of it's dealing with heartache, some of it's whatever. Doesn't really matter today. Worst case scenario, worst thing you can think of on the planet today, worst thing person's going through, absolutely incomparable to what's coming. I don't know what you're going through today, but Paul here is saying, man, it's nothing compared to, it's not even worth talking about, to what's coming. In 17, here's what he says, For our momentary light affliction is producing for us an absolutely incomparable eternal weight of glory. 18, so we do not focus on what is seen. We don't focus on those things around us. We don't focus on the struggle or the hurt or the heartache. We don't focus on those things, but here's what we focus on. We focus on what is unseen for what is seen, and if we get this, it'll change so much. For what is seen is temporary. I don't know what you're going through right now, but it's temporary. It may last another 80 years, but it's temporary. It may last another 800 years, but it's temporary. See, the reality of it is everything here is temporary. At the end of the day, read the end of the book, right? At the end of the day, even the elements themselves will be dissolved and replaced with a new heaven and a new earth. Sickness will be destroyed. You may be dealing with sickness. It'll be destroyed. Heartache may be here today, but it'll be destroyed. Hurt, struggle, 
addiction, anything you put on there, it's going to be destroyed one day. Death itself, we read this morning uh, in Revelation chapter 20, will be thrown into a lake of fire. See, the reality of it is we see these things as so permanent, but they're so temporary. But here's the truth. But what is unseen is eternal. The things that are surrounding us that we don't see are eternal. The inward man that's being strengthened every day is eternal. This body, it's temporary. It's going to go away. But the inward man, that inward spiritual man in us, man, it's eternal. Heaven, eternal. God, eternal. Jesus, eternal. Those things will never, never, ever pass away. Yeah, death, it's going to die. It's a big deal today, but it's temporary. Right? Sickness, it's, <laughs> sickness is going to die. It's a big deal today, but it's temporary. Hurt, heartache, man, they are a big deal today, but they're temporary. Struggle, persecution, addiction, all those little titles and things you can put on there. Sin, maybe the big giant on your back this morning destroying you and crushing you down. Heartache and hopelessness maybe pushing you into the ground today, but what is seen is temporary, and what is unseen is eternal. So here's the question this morning. What should we focus on? What should we focus on? See, the reality of it is so many of us jump into trying to fix this body, right? Or trying to make it look better, make it be better. We try to fix our circumstances, those things around us, our situations, those things around us. But man, the thing that's unseen, that spiritual man in us, heaven, Jesus, God, we don't spend very much time on that at all, do we? I wish, I wish my job was better. I wish my soul was better. I wish my relationship with God was better. And he looks at this church, and I don't know what this church is going through. I have no idea. I'll be completely honest. I could read it and look it up and history that. You can Google that later and figure that out. But he looks at this church with a bunch of people just like us going through all different kind of things that I know we could ask. We could do like a poll. Nobody would be honest because we don't do that in church. But we could do like a poll today and talk about what we're struggling with. And everybody's would be different. And what he's saying here is, why are you focused on that? Because for us, for those people that know God, man, this is a temporary thing. I don't know what you're going through. Maybe the biggest deal in the world, but it's momentary and light compared to what's coming. Why don't we focus on what's coming? Because the reality of it is, at best here, we've got 100 years. Right? I don't know many people that beat that date. Most of us will never get to that date. And on the other side of that, one day we're going to pass through a door and there is eternity which cannot be measured in hundreds of years. And we spend so much time worried about the 401k or relationships, we forget that, man, we're going to leave all those things in this place and we're going to pass through that door and none of those things are going to follow us and none of those things really matter because they are temporary. And that's what he's saying to these people. Don't worry about all that stuff. Here's the truth this morning in five and this is where we're going For we know that if our earthly house, a tent, is destroyed, we have a building from God, a house not made with hands, eternal in the heavens. Now, I know that's a lot of big words. We're like, I don't know what we're really talking about this morning. And I get that way with Paul sometimes. So let me just break it down for you. He says, for we know that if our earthly house, a tent, is destroyed, we have a building from God. Woo! Right? It's good. It's good stuff. Um, Thank you, Paul. I feel like it says if we know that if our earthly house is destroyed, we can just replace that because we know that this earthly house will be destroyed, right? It's a certainty today. What he's saying to this church is what's the worst thing that can happen? They can kill you. 
What's the worst thing that can happen? They can take you out in the street and throw rocks at you until you're gone. What's the worst thing that can happen? They can crucify you. That's what he's saying to these people. But let's just, let's just move past that because we know today that's not really probably a reality for us today, maybe a couple years from now, but it's not today. But let's just add something here. He says, if our earthly house is destroyed, let's get past that. Our earthly house will be destroyed. He even calls it a tent, which is a temporary dwelling, right? I don't know many people that live in tents full-time. I think, A, that's a horrible idea because it's a tent, and I know that if you're in a tent, you probably are going to sleep on the ground or at best air mattress. That sounds horrible to me. I'm sorry if you like camping. Um, I'm just not a fan. Um, Bugs and dirt, and it's weird. I don't want to do that. Um, But he calls this body a tent. And what he says in that moment is it's implied that this is a temporary dwelling. It's not meant to be lived in forever. This is not our eternal house that we're going to keep forever. This is some nylon, right? This is some throwaway material that in a couple of years you're going to put in a garage sale, right? Or you're going you're to burn or something because it's not meant to be forever. This body that we have is what he's saying. It's disposable. It's just a vessel. It's just meant to get us through vacation. It's meant to get us through the trip. It's just something to kind of get us through the journey. It's a disposable thing. He says, we know that this body, this earthly house, this tent, it's going to be destroyed. But he says, but think about this. We have a building. There's some permanence there, right? We have a building from God, given to us from God. You got a tent from the Walmart, right? Or you got a building from God. Which one do you want to take? Because I'm going to take the Taj Mahal building from God, not the tent from Walmart. I already discussed I'm not a big fan of tents anyway. But he says, we have a building from God, a house, a dwelling place, not made with hands, not made by mom and dad or not made by somebody else. It's not just some vessel that somebody kind of threw together, but it's a vessel made by God. And it says that it is eternal, It's not a tent meant to be thrown away. It's meant to last forever. But here's the catch. It's in the heavens. So here's what he's saying. So what if they destroy the body? It's meant to be destroyed. Here's the thing that we don't get. I'll I'll give you this 100% as humans. We don't get this. We are not meant to be here forever. We're not meant to be here forever. Amen? Amen. This body is not meant to last forever. It's got an expiration date. I don't know where they put it, but it's on here, and everybody has one. And when it gets to yours, you won't be here anymore, and there's nothing you can do about it. Because it's a tent. It's a temporary vessel. But here's what he's saying. So what? So what if death happens? So what if they kill you? Why focus on that? Because here's the deal. When we leave this tent, we move into... A permanent building, a house made by God and given by God that's eternal, that'll last forever, that's never going to need a new roof, and it's never going to need a new paint job, and it's in the heavens. And we act like that is the worst thing imaginable. If you think it's that, if you think it's that horrible, go live in a tent and sell your house to me. I'll give you six bucks. You don't like it anyway, right? Like, it's not that bad. It's not a bad deal. He says, so what if they kill you? We have an earthly house, a tent, and it's meant to be destroyed. But here's the deal. When we leave this tent and we put it in the garbage, we have a building from God, a house not made with hands, eternal in the heavens. He goes on in two, because if that wasn't enough, God's got grace, right? It says, and in fact, we groan in this one 
longing, here's another word, to put on our house from heaven. He's talking to the church here. Why does he have to say that to the church? Seems silly, right? Why why would he have to write that to the church? Because here's the truth, man. We should get that. Above everybody else on the planet, we should get that. Because we're the people that should be walking around telling people, oh man, I know that, that you don't have hope right now, but I've got something that gives hope. And I know that you feel defeated right now, but I got something that has the victory, right? Or I know that, man, sickness has got you down, but I know something that has surpassed sickness. Or I know that death is, is coming your way, but I got something that's greater than death. That should be the message that we carry. But here he feels the need to say this to the church. We groan. Actually, he starts off with who cares if they kill you, and then he ends up in this place. Actually, um, we groan in this one, longing to be in that one. Longing is a word that expresses desire, right? It's, a, it's like an intense want. It's a want that can't really be described with words. It's like, man, I, I gotta have that. I, I need that. It's like not, oh yeah, it'd be cool if somebody would bring me like a Reese's cup right now, but man, I, I'm gonna rob a store if somebody doesn't bring me a Reese's cup right now. It's that, it's that intense want. And groan is actually an utterance, dictionary word, utterance that cannot be described with words. Groaning is an utterance that cannot be described with mere words. Let me just put this in context for you. Um, a groan, when I think about it, is like when you shut the car door and your hand's still in it. You know that initial noise that comes before all the words that you don't want people to know you say in church? <laughs> that, from the, like, down here place, right? Because you just can't, you just can't express how much that hurt with, with a word. You're not going to hit your hand with a hammer and be like, oh man, that really did not feel good. <laughs> it's not the time for eloquence, right? You're just, man, that's hurting. And it's such an intense hurt that the only thing that can come is this, this noise from, from like the inner parts that's like, Ugh. and he says, that we groan in this one, longing to be in that one. Why does he have to say that to the church? Because see, out of all the people on the planet, right, this is the story we tell people. Come to Jesus, and when you die, you can go to heaven. Come to Jesus, and you won't have to go to hell. That's the story, right? It's actually not a story, uh, but that's what we tell people. And he looks at this group of people, and he says, so what if they kill you? You have it so wrong. This is just a tent. It's not even that nice of a tent. It's meant to go away. But we have a house made by the hands of God in the heavens that is eternal, that will never ever experience sickness and pain and death and shame and hurt and heartache and addiction. They'll never ever even know what any of that stuff feels like. And you should be groaning in this one to get to that one. Can, can I just put that in some other words of Paul for you? To live is Christ, but to die is gain. He says that. He says that. 
Not just words, by the way. All Paul's actions actually led him towards that moment. When he said to live as Christ, to die as gain, he meant if I live like Christ, they're going to kill me and I'm okay with that. I would go right now, but you still need me. Right? In Philippians. Look it up. Because he had a picture of how much better it was to be there than here. And you look at this and you're like, why did he have to say that to the church? Well, he has to say it to the church for the same reason that we have to talk about it this morning. Because here's the reality. I don't see you or me or any other church groaning to be there. Do you? I'm not trying to be morbid this morning. I'm not about to pass out like Kool-Aid or anything. Um, But I've not seen this in a really long time. And I feel like the reason why, I'll be honest, is because we've bought into a lie from the devil that says somehow this is better than there. That's true. You don't have to amen that. Like, that's just true. We've bought into a lie somehow from the devil that says this place is better than that place. And what we tell the world and what we tell the church and what we tell those around us and what we tell ourselves in that moment when we, when we live like that and we say that is that this creation is better and more impressive than the God who created it. That I would rather be here with the stuff he made than there with the one who made it. So he looks at this church, a group of people like you and me who are going through things, and I'll be completely honest, going through things and running away. And he looks at him and says, so what? So what if they kill you? Do you not get how much better it is to be there than to be here? You should actually groan in this body to be in that body. There should be such an intense desire to leave this place and to be there that, man, everything in you is speaking, man, I just want to be with him. I just want to be with him. And I'll be honest, I've not seen that. And I've not shown it. And when we bought into that lie, let me just color that lie in for you because right now you have the outline of it's better to be here than there. But let me just color that in for you so it brings it all home because I want you to know we're all in this boat. I got stuff to do before I want to go be there. Right? I want to die, I just don't want to go today. There's a song about that, right? I want to go to heaven, but I don't want to go tonight. Country song, any country people? No? Okay, you look that up too later. There you go, thank you. Um, But it's true, isn't it? That's how we think about this moment. Oh yeah, I want to go to heaven, but I want to go to heaven like a hundred years from now when I've done everything I want to do and I've like rode every roller coaster I want to ride and I've raised my kids and like I've ate all the different foods that I want to try and like I've went on vacation and I've been a long retirement and then like I just want to go peacefully in my sleep one night. 
when I'm 105. <laughs> Unless I still feel good, and then it can be 110. Because I want to see this thing happen, or I want to be a part of this, or I want to experience this, or I want to whatever. You been there? And what you're saying in that moment to God is, what you've made and what you've given me, I treasure more than being with you. I love my family more than I love you. I'm going to be real, right? I don't think there's anything wrong with wanting to see your kids raise, but if that supersedes your want to be with him, there's a problem. I can go right now, and I've not missed a thing. I, I want to, like experience like the church be an amazing thing and grow and I want to be part of that but if I go today you just keep running keep running with it and I won't have missed a thing you can tell me about it when you get there but I'm ready to go there I don't have any vacation spots like I have to go to that are going to be better than heaven Because in reality, man, if he can make all this stuff that we're so caught up in, how is he not better? And if we would get that, there would be more of a desire, right? Because the reality of it is there's a lot of good things in this world, but this is a fallen world. In Genesis 1 and 2, it was great, and then in 3, sin came but one day we're going to step out of the temporary in sin and shame and guilt and death and hurt and heartache and all those things. It can't follow us into that new place. And I'm ready to leave those. Would it be great to never struggle with sin anymore? Wouldn't it be great to never be negative anymore? Wouldn't it be great to never be like a whiny, complainy baby anymore? I'm talking to me. Wouldn't it be great to not have to experience heartache and heart and sickness? Wouldn't it, wouldn't it be great to have to never experience those again, never have to see death meet death again? Wouldn't it be great? Like, there won't be any funerals there. That's pretty awesome. There won't be any hospitals there. That's pretty awesome. And I'm great with going to that place. And he says, man, there should be something in us, stirring in us that like kind of groans just to leave here and be there. It says in three, since when we are clothed, we will not be found naked. I know that sounds weird, but what he's saying is when we put on that new house, we're never going to be found in this tent again. For indeed, we are, who are in this tent groan. There it is again. We who are in this tent groan, burdened as we are. Remember, because it's not perfect down here. Burdened by sin and shame and guilt and addiction and pain and heartache and heartbreak and all those things. Burdened, loaded down, crushed under, all those things. Because we don't want to be unclothed, but clothed. Here's why. So that mortality, mortality means the rule of death. The power of death. So that the power of death may be swallowed up, completely consumed by life is what he's saying. So that the rule of death over your life and over your family and over your house and over your home may be completely swallowed up in life. That's what the transition is. The transition is just God saying, all right, chains are off. Death, you don't have power here anymore. 
Death, check it at the door. Death, you stay over there. Sickness, you stay over there. All your friends, sin, shame, and guilt, you stay over there because you can't come in. The chains are there. You come on in, brother. One day we're going to step out of this tent and we're going to step into a new house and we're the only thing that gets to go. He says we should long for that. This is in five, and the one who prepared us for this very thing is God. The one who made us ready for this very thing is God, who gave us the Spirit, or the Holy Spirit that we talked about a few weeks ago, as a down payment. Man, that blows me away. You're like, I don't think so. Let me just grab this for a second. Think about when you make a down payment on a house or a car, right? What you're doing is you're declaring intent to buy. You're declaring intent to like own the whole thing. It's just a tiny piece. You're just putting in some 10%, 20%, whatever you got to put down. It's just a tiny part. And you're saying, I'm going to pay in full the whole thing. This is what God did when he gave us the Holy Spirit. When he put the Holy Spirit, he gave you a tiny piece. Isn't that crazy? The Holy Spirit's just a tiny piece. Like we're going to one day stand with God and Jesus and the Holy Spirit all together. And right now we're just living in just a tiny piece of that. Can I just say, the Holy Spirit blows me away for it to be just a tiny piece. Like, if this is, if it gets better, right? If it gets a whole lot better than the Holy Spirit, if it gets a whole lot more grace than right now, I don't know if I can contain it. Like, I don't know that, I don't know that I can do it. I don't, I don't know what's going to happen. I might just explode in heaven. I guess it's not a possibility, but, like, something's going to happen because that's just a down payment. Really, what happened is when you come over here and you prayed or whatever and you, you asked Jesus, you know, to, to put up with you and to take you, um, when you, when you gave your life to him, he gave you the Holy Spirit, and, and that's intent to purchase, right? He, he gave you that, and he said, if you have the Holy Spirit, like, I'm going to pay in full. I'm going to come, and I'm going to get you, and I'm going to take you to heaven somehow, whether that's like the rapture or like I just come get you, whatever that is. But the Holy Spirit here is intent to buy. And if you've never experienced the Holy Spirit, if you don't have the Holy Spirit, then you've never had the down payment. I just want you to know that. But if you have that Holy Spirit, uh, A, I want you to know there's a lot more to it here. Like we talked about a couple weeks ago, the Holy Spirit does more than, than we'll ever see in this place because most of us don't talk about him or lean into him or anything like that. But B, what it means is, man, that's the proof, right, that we are his. Mm-hmm. That's the intent to purchase. That's when God said, man, I'm coming back and I'm going to get you guys. He said he prepared us for this very thing. He gave us that longing for heaven by giving us the Holy Spirit as a down payment. In 6 it says this, Therefore, because of all that stuff we just talked about, though we are always confident, or we know, and know, it's weird, we know that we know, that while we are at home in the body, we are away from the Lord. Here's the truth that we don't get about being here. When we're here, we're not there. When we're here, we're not with him. When we're here, we're away from God. There's a separation there, right? Like right now, the closest you can be, you're still separated from God. Oh, I'm saved and I have a relationship with God. That's true. Like I'm not completely spiritually separated from God, but I'm not as close as I'm going to be. There's more. Amen. You may be real, real, real close and you may feel like a little halo follows you around, but can I just say, there is more. Some of us, there's more we can experience here. I believe all of us can get closer here. But I just want you to know, even at the closest you can get here, like you're not there. 
And that's what he's saying to this church, man. It may be great. You may sing great songs and you may throw your hands in the air and you may scream and you may love the preaching and whatever and you may come down and pray every week. But I just want you to know, you're not there. Because we know while we're here, we're not there. You know why we groan to be out of this body? Because when we're here, we're not there. You know why we want to leave this place and go be with him? Because when we're here, we're not there. You know why it's better to be there than here? Because when we're here, we're not there. He's saying, we know that we know, man. This, this, we want to be out of this body. We want to be there. Because we know that while we're here, we're not there. And it says, for we walk by faith now, not by sight. Here's the reality. You've not even begun to see who God is and what he's done for you. Oh, but let me tell you this story. That's mild grace, brother. Let me tell you what he did this week. That's mild grace. Let me tell you how he loves me. That's mild love. We want to switch from mild love to wild love, right? Right now, it's just faith. We believe it and we feel it. We experience it. We've not even begun to see. This is for now. We walk by faith, not by sight. In eight, it says, yet we are confident. We know and are satisfied. It's a different word there. To be out of the body and to be here at home with the Lord. I'm let you rest on that for a minute. This is we know and here is the reality and are satisfied that we are pleased, that we are happy. To be out of the body and at home with the Lord. Are we satisfied? Are we pleased? Are we happy with the thought that one day we're going to leave this body and be not visiting or on vacation with the Lord, but at home? where we belong, where we have a place, where we are welcome, where we are loved with the Lord. Can I just be honest? This is the one that hit me. At all that, this is the word that I wanted to get to because here's where I think we have it wrong. When we sing songs about heaven, what do we sing about? I've got a mansion just over the hilltop. What are you satisfied with? We talk about heaven, what we talk about. Oh, there are going to be pearly gates and streets of gold. That's better than burning. Mom and dad are going to be there. Aunt and uncle's going to be there. What do those statements all say about where our satisfaction in heaven is going to be? What are those songs I'll say about where our satisfaction in heaven is going to be? And I'm not knocking those. You sing them if you like them. But here's the reality of it. If none of that stuff was there, if heaven was a white expanse with you and Jesus, would you still want to be there? What if heaven was a hot white expanse with you and Jesus? Would you still want to be there? If heaven was a flaming expanse, 
with you and Jesus, would you still want to be there? If mom, dad, uncle, aunt, brother, sister, whoever was not there, and there was no gold, and there were no pearls, and it was you and Jesus, would you still want to be there? And if not, your satisfaction is in the wrong thing. See, the truth is, these two things correlate, don't they? We don't see a church that groans to be with him because we want to be here. And when we talk about heaven, we make it about the things, not the person. See, the reality of it is the question is always the same from the beginning to the end. Heaven has never been a question of do I want to go and not burn? Any idiot on the planet can come up with yes. Put your hand on the stove for like two minutes, and I know I don't want to go to hell. But that doesn't mean I want Jesus, does it? Oh, I want to stay here and I want to raise my kids. Oh, I want to go to heaven to be with blah, blah, blah. What are you satisfied in? Oh, I got to get that promotion or that vacation. Oh, I love the streets of gold and the mansion over the hilltop. What are you satisfied in? See, the reality of it is, and I just want to say this this morning, if you're not satisfied with Jesus today, what makes you think you're going to be satisfied with him when you get there? And then beyond that, what makes you think you're going? See, the reality of it is our love for this place is not because we just love all the stuff. It's because we don't love him enough. Amen. Amen. I got to be here. I got to be here. I got to do this. I got to see this. Where is he? See, the reality of it is for those that know him and are saved, man, we've got to get to a point where our passion is Jesus. Our pursuit is then will be Jesus. But until our passion is Jesus, our pursuit will never be Jesus. Until he's our motivation for heaven, we will never be excited about heaven because there'll always be money here, right? There'll always be stuff here. There'll always be nice places to visit here. There'll always be some family or friends or somebody here. The reason we don't see a church groaning to be with him is because, man, the motivation is not him anymore. Amen. Oh, but I love the songs. Great. How much do you have to put up with them this week? Oh, but I love the messages. Great. How much do you have to put up with them this week? Oh, but I love coming to church. Great. How many hours do you devote to that this week? See, the reality of it is it's all a correlation. You either are pleased with the Savior or you're not. See, I knew it's going to ruffle some feathers this morning. And I'm not saying don't be excited because mom and dad are going to be in heaven. And I'm not saying don't be excited because it's not going to be a beautiful place. I'm not saying that at all because it is. And I'm glad. I'll be the first to say I'm glad there'll be no death there. I'm glad there'll be no sin and shame and guilt there. I'm glad about all that stuff. But if all that stuff was off the table and Jesus was still there, that is where I want to be. But do you know why Paul can say things like to live as Christ and to die as gain? Because his pursuit here is the same as this pursuit there. Man, every day down here, I'm going to make it about him. I'm going to make it about him. I'm going to make it about him because he's the one I want. He is the passion of my heart. There's never a relationship that's going to be more fulfilling than him, and there's never a position that's going to be more fulfilling than him. There's nothing that is more fulfilling than him. And out of that mouth speaks to live is Christ, but to die is gain. Because I know that as long as I'm here, I'm not there. 
and I really, really, really want to be there. Actually, the only reason I'm still here is because I have something to do. And when I don't have anything to do anymore, when the mission is over, when the day is done, when God is done with me, I will say, thank you. I'm ready. But until we get to that moment, we will never be effective in the church. And we will never be effective in the kingdom. And we will never see God do anything crazy or amazing in our lives because here's the reality. We live like we're avoiding death, not like we're welcoming him. Oh, that's morbid. I don't care. I don't care. I can't tell anybody about Jesus. So what if they kill you? Worst, worst case scenario. I can't approach that person. So what if they kill you? I'm not allowed to do that at my job. So what if they kill you? You get the trap? You get the trap? Why does he have to say that to the church? Because we don't get it. So here's the question this morning. What are you satisfied in? What's the thing that pleases you this morning? What's the idol that you've put in the place of Jesus? Because anything that's not Jesus that takes first priority in your heart is an idol. It may not be some statue this morning. It may be your family, maybe may be your friends, maybe your money, maybe your job, maybe whatever. But anything that takes priority one, anything that you are pleased in above Jesus is a statue, a golden calf in your life this morning. And he's saying, here's the deal. Be pleased with me. I'm the creator. Do you know what you're saying when you say that your family's more important to me than me? You're saying that they're more impressive than the God who created them. That's so stupid. You know what you're saying when you say your job's more important than me? Really? Money's more important than me? Really? It's more important than the God who created it? It doesn't even make sense this morning. He's saying, what are you pleased in? What are you happy with? What are you pursuing? What are you chasing? You know when you'll be pleased with the thought of heaven? When you're pleased with the Savior. You know when you'll be excited about songs about heaven again? When you're pleased with the Savior. You know when you'll amen messages about heaven again? When you're pleased with the Savior. Let's pray.